Previously on Dream Realm. The building was a compound. What is this place? Jordan whispered. Looks to be some kind of brothel, Elias explained. So some of them are real women, Jordan whispered. But why would they do this? I'm sure they get paid, Elias added. Hello, the small girl smiled, turning from her toy to the two adults. Do you need one of us? Isn't it obvious? They're hacking into the technology to allow rich men to rape people and to force their way onto us. The second girl whispered. You're the intruders who have been fucking around with magenta and marzipan, right? Well, I'm their colleague, Toe, and welcome to my institution, the Venus. It's time to erase all of your Dream Realm memories regarding the Dark Realm. At least, Toe smiled again. Clearly, the device had managed to wipe out his memory of both Elias and Jordan. Actually, tomorrow we have some of our new members gathering at the Silverado Club in South Coast. I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's a beautiful place, a bit western, a bit exotic. Is there anything else happening that we should know about? Jordan questioned. Well, we do have a large event coming up next week. It's going to be on Monday night. It's going to be the most public event we've ever had. You're listening to episode 14 to the audiobook slash podcast project, Dream Realm. Voiced, written, and produced by me, Matt Rebar. Part 5, Chapter 10. From a balcony on the 16th floor of the building to the left of the alleyway where Elias and Jordan stood was the perched figure of Magenta. She had watched Toe's confrontation and the machine's malfunction. But now it proved messy to intervene. What Toe had told them, and why he had driven off without a fight, did confuse her. She supposed the device Toe was going to use on them had malfunctioned. It would have been a good wrap-up to have the two of them lose their memories of the Dark Realm. Magenta didn't know how well it would have worked out, but it would have at least gotten them out of the hair for at least the gala. King had been stressed out lately with planning the gala. The organization was doing all right, but King was hoping that the gala would bring in some serious revenue. It was the first time the group had been going public, per se, for in order to advance, they needed more members, but they needed the right members and the right exposure. Tomorrow's advent at the Silverado Club was also meant to yield good exposure for the group. Lights was hosting the event while co-handling work for the gala. After all, Lights was the one who ran membership and marketing for the organization, but it was King who wanted a stronger role in handling the gala. Jordan and Elias vanished, although there wasn't an official name on the two besides the two intruders. With a single sigh, Magenta vanished and reappeared within a hallway in their Urbana office. Down below, a couple members were working their way through their appetite with the available mods. Gate was open and going strong since it was getting into the dawn. King's office door was closed per usual, but Magenta knocked softly before walking inside. King was behind his desk and working on the computer. Nothing new here to see. He was always working. Can I help you? Blimey. Can I help you? Can I help you? King asked, his British voice standing out amongst the grunt whisper he provided. His slicked black hair and unbuttoned shirt looked fresh and crisp as always. The office view continued to be breathtaking as the skyscrapers of Ravana rose up to surpass the man's office. <sighs> Toe failed, and it appears he might have given them information. What kind of information? I have yet to find out. Damn it, King whispered. What happened? Magenta revealed all that she knew, which caused King to get out of his chair. He rubbed his face with his palms before opening his eyes wide. I'll handle this, King muttered, but thank you for telling me. Are you sure you're good? Magenta, you can go now, King spat, to which she vanished, reappearing within her own office within gate. King, meanwhile, took a large sigh, trying to meditate himself with the view. It did not take long for him to get back to work, as he arrived inches away from the security gate at the Venus. 
The Notoria Night Sky did calm him somewhat, although the pressure writing him for the upcoming events at the Silverado Club and the gala at the Regal Urbana Hotel were still putting pressure on his body and mind. King would be back to his regular state following these events, but for now, he was wickedly stressed. King walked past the security guards and entered the Venus. Toe would most likely be in his chamber on the second floor, which was situated right above the first floor lobby. King entered the building and made for the staircase, which was on the right-hand side of the building. He was dressed better than any of the scum who came here. The men who put on Hawaiian shirts and vacation polos, as if what they were doing here was a synonym for skydiving or walking on the beach. They hid behind casual, affluent clothing as if it was enough to make them feel superior or deserving. King did arrive at the door to Toe's chambers and open the door without hesitation. Indeed, Toe was working on the device that had broken earlier in Notoria. Magenta's story was proving very true. King, to what do I owe the pleasure? Sadly, there is not much pleasure here, Toe. King sighed. Do you realize you might have told sensitive information to the two intruders I warned you about? Toe looked confused, racking his brain for a minute, but King did not have a minute. Minutes earlier, you were in Notoria City, correct? I was. And you talked with a female and a male, right? I, I I thought they were security. No, they were in the intruders. Magenta watched as your memory device betrayed you and apparently blocked out your memory of them. She watched as you gleefully had conversation with them before running away. I, I, I didn't know. Toe's usual heavy candor had been replaced by confusion, shock, doubt, and anger wrapped together in an amnesia-laced bow. Toe's usually heavy candor had been replaced by confusion, shock, doubt, and anger wrapped together in amnesia-laced bow. I need to know what you told them. King was cutting right to the point, overlooking apologies and excuses. He knew that Toe was not truly responsible for this, although this whole mess was Toe's fault, per se. W well, I told them about our events which we needed security for, the Silverado Club and the Gala. You told them the location, days, and times. I, I mean, basically, fuck, King sighed. Okay, so they know that. What else do they know? I, I don't know. Magenta said they broke into this facility, so I imagine they saw the children. I, I can't remember anything. I thought they were security. Thank you, Toe. King nodded. We'll be in touch. Toe was going to speak, but thought better of it. King walked out of the office, wishing he could vanish on the Venus property. Unfortunately, he'd have to trace his steps back to the beginning before he was able to do so. There were benefits to the fact that one couldn't appear within the compound, although right now it was annoying. Toe ran to the door, which King had vanished by. King, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't know. Toe's face and budding body were genuinely sorry, but King wasn't really mad at Toe. He was already looking for a way to sweep up the mess caused by the two ever-pressing intruders. It's fine, King sighed, before vanishing into the staircase. Toe watched, feeling guilty about an entire affair he could not remember. But King had no time for Toe's foolishness. King wanted to know how he could identify the two intruders. He'd have to call Marspan for that part. This dangerous duo would have to be curved before they wrecked his gala, and now that they knew about the events, they'd be either probing about the venues or trying to stop the two events, and that could not be allowed to happen. Chapter 11 Later that morning, Jordan awoke from her bed feeling rather underrested. She had gotten all the sleep that she technically needed, but her sleep had been filled with her adventures in the Notoria Mountains. Even a trip to yesterday's following the debacles with Toe didn't help as she shared drinks and drinks by herself with bartender Joshua watching her curiously. I have a question, Jordan whispered while her body was stone cold sober in bed. Her mind had been left to wander along with the artificial drunk feelings. Yeah, hey, what is it? Joshua asked, you being the creator of the creamy amaretto cocktail she was drinking. What's it like being a mod? His right sleeve whispered stories and human experiences that most likely the figure had not actually had. For every time she had seen Joshua, he had been behind the bar yesterday's, transcending all the years and genres and filters you could apply. Here in the West Coast, he had remained one consistent piece of that puzzle. 
He had never moved. The left arm tattoo of the Dream Realm logo, a sign that he was not a human being. I don't know. I guess it's like being human. It feels like I'm human, although I'm not. Well, how do you survive? Well, I have a little apartment here. I'm just behind the bar at nights when you come out to visit the realm, and during the day, you know, we have a different mod staffed. So you're used to the routine. It's my job. That's what I'm programmed to do. But how do you not want more? The Dream Realm is the real world with more possibilities and adventures. I don't think I'm missing anything out on Earth. Here we have the beautiful, the clean, and the proper. Here you can dream in whatever you want, meet whoever you want. But you can't have a family. You can't find new places really either. You're just in the dream realm. I'm not upset about life. And you have emotions? When you're angry, you act angry? I do. You know I've kicked people out of here or yelled back at customers. Is it hard for you to understand why I feel so human? Jordan paused as she looked at the figure in front of her. There's a reason mods are treated like second-class citizens. Jordan sighed. It's because when I wake up, you won't be reachable. When I'm out on Earth, I can't talk to you or text you or meet you for lunch. You're stuck in here. And I could give up Dream Realm this morning and never touch the device again. And that means I'd never see you again. Don't you think that keeps mods from being treated like more because you're stuck in this virtual creation and caged humans aren't really humans? I don't think about life like that. I think of your real world as the Dream Realm that I can't experience. Joshua smiled. But you're right. Mods who stick around too long get depressed, upset, philosophical. And if you create a mod for the night, it'll be what you need from him. Let him linger here for years, he'd probably slit his wrists. What keeps you from doing that? I'd rather be alive in some capacity than dead. Call me a positivist, but that's my view of it, or maybe I'm programmed to view it like that. Some people think that because they can't be fully alive that they should be dead, but I'm happy for a chance to be human. Even though this skin and organ is nothing more than a computer-generated code. I met some mods earlier who wanted to die or be decoded because they were being subjected to pain. How'd you feel in that position? If you were a mod who was forced to do prostitution or to murder people against your will, what would you choose? A life then or to truly die? I don't know. It's the dream realm. Does any of it matter? Joshua was called down to the bar to handle a few drinks while Jordan continued sipping on her cocktail. Joshua soon returned, this time leading the questions. Why is this on your mind? He asked, curious to her questions of the night. Just some stuff that happened earlier. Don't worry about it. Are you sure? I'm sure. It was this time of the night where Jordan would have loved the company of Isaiah Cora. She had thought of him over the last week, but she had not actively looked for him. Within her vision appeared her message board, and she found out that Isaac was inactive on Dream Realm tonight. Was he purposely avoiding coming to the Dream Realm? She couldn't help but feel that selfishly inclined question of whether she had caused him to leave the realm. After the Dark Realm shit was over, she would apologize. But Jordan knew Isaac didn't want an apology. He wanted a chance to meet her in person. And for some reason, Jordan didn't want to commit that much to him. It was a small desire, something minimal that she would do for him. Yet, she found herself unable to do it. Are you leaving soon? Joshua switched up the topic, looking at his watch. You usually wake up at this time. Later in the car ride to the Federal Employee Garage beneath the campus that morning, she still felt like she had not waken up. Her eyes felt glued and hardened with pressure, while her hands clutched the steering wheel as if letting go meant falling into the void. With a deep breath, she put in a smile to talk with Devante for a second before pulling into another space, crossing the lot towards the Cardonia Justice Center. Her phone buzzed with a text from Elias confirming up parts of their plan. She responded while riding up the elevator to the prosecutor's floor. Upon opening the door, she found a secretary, Teresa Jones Maynard, in a half-heated argument with a woman. I don't care how urgent it is, Teresa scowled. You're not bleeding. You're not dying, so you can wait here and wait for your turn. I have my job to get to. Just because you have a job doesn't mean you can impede me from handling my own. I resent the fact that the conversation became rather low sound as the door closed behind Jordan. Instead of walking the path to her office... Jordan deviated and arrived at her colleague's door instead. Thankfully, January Fisher was in her office, which was a rather delicate room with a dim lamp turned on instead of the overhead fluorescent. Jordan, morning. Jordan closed the door, which immediately made January curious. 
Instead of being seated on the exercise ball, January was standing. Her desk was a standing desk, which could be moved up and down depending on if she wanted to stand or sit. Jordan looked at January and took a small sigh. I need a favor, January, Jordan explained, looking her colleague dead center in the eyes. Thirteen hours later, Jordan, January, and Elias were in the dream realm, all three of them in a hotel room at the Chans. The Chans was part of the cluster city called Despicano, which was in the South Coast realm. Despicano was home to the large South Coast gardens, home to every kind of plant you could imagine. It was home of the Despicano Tigers, the Despicano Rivals, and the Despicano Destroyers, the football, baseball, and basketball teams, respectively. But Despicano was also home to the Silverado Club, to which January was going to sneak into on behalf of Jordan and Elias. After explaining what was happening back in January's office, January quickly agreed to help in any capacity she could, and agreed to meet them later that night in the dream realm. And now, January was decked out in the best makeup with a modest outfit, which would make her appear sexual but innocent. They didn't want January to appear easy, but they wanted men in the Silverado Club to consider her as the perfect victim. This is perfect, Jordan muttered while looking around the hotel room and double-checking the equipment which they had dreamed upon the desk within the room. January's outfit was disguised with small cameras and microphones which were practically invisible to the human eye. Seriously, I look amazing, January giggled with a quick twirl in front of the mirror. If I had to pick someone to hold against their will, it would probably be me. Well, let's do this, Jordan clapped, opening the door for January who vanished. Both Jordan and Elias turned to watch the footage as January made her round forward. You can see everything and hear me, right? January whispered. Jordan picked up the microphone, which would respond back to January. There was a small hearing piece deep in January's canal, which would communicate back with her. We're all good on our end. We'll let you know if that changes. I'm a bit nervous. January admitted as she walked out of the hotel. I might need a drink or two to calm my nerves. Just be careful. We're only a minute run from you, but still. January walked over to the entrance of the Silverado Club and entered. The place was large and filled with a good mix of young and old. It was not impossible to distinguish who was probably here as part of the dark realm. A few of the men looked uncomfortable as they held their beers and bopped to the large music. Immediately, January went to the counter and ordered a vodka soda with lime. January, try and sit yourself close to some of the old guys, the ones that stick out at a place like this. January obviously didn't respond to Jordan, but took her drink and moved to a table a bit away from the bar. Next to the table, but not at the table, was an older man who looked both privileged and yet unable to land a woman. All three of them immediately internally agreed that this would be a perfect start. Hello, January smiled, extending a hand which the man took. My name is Bethany, and you are? Chapter 12 January Fisher, a.k.a. Bethany, within the walls of the Silverado Club, moved through a couple of the older men, although none of them seemed interested, or if they were, they weren't putting in any of the methods or moves. Although January finally managed to get some kind of connection with an older gentleman named Al. With their end of the microphone muted, Jordan and Elias managed to share a conversation while January continued talking nonsense with Al. Do you think the Dark Realm warned people about our arrival? Jordan whispered. None of these men have really latched to her. Well, they might be aiming for younger blood. January's 30 and there's plenty of 18 to 24-year-olds in there, I imagine. Do you guys care that much about age? Of course they do. Damn, I guess I underestimate men sometimes. Jordan jokingly, although realistically, laughed. You definitely do, Elias sighed, opening up a bag of chips. Do you think January is going to meet someone who will try and assault her? She's a pretty woman. I think it's possible. She might have to pretend to be more drunk. The two turned back to the footage and watched as Al continued to joke with January. Ten minutes later, another man joined the two, and the three of them continued laughing together. But the second man hadn't introduced himself, but did feel the need to ask questions regarding what January did in the real world. Oh, I'm just a manager for a restaurant. What restaurant? The second man asked. Oh, just a local restaurant in L.A., nothing you would know about. 
Gotcha. The second man smiled. How long have you been doing that? Oh, about seven or eight years. January shrugged, her alter ego Bethany acting a little bit more tipsy than her singular drink indicated. I'd have to check. <laughs> Drop it down 10%, Jordan whispered into the microphone. And what kind of things do you enjoy, Bethany? Painting, traveling, good wine. Wine? You're drinking vodka. Well, wine's more of an interest. Vodka's because I'm out at the club, you know, trying to get drunk. Al seemed to know that he had been edged out, so he turned a little bit. He appeared invested slightly in the conversation, but compared to the second man, he was nothing. After all, Al was wearing a tropical Hawaiian button-up that didn't hide his large belly. The second man had a crisp suit, slicked back brown hair, and a nice smile. He was young and attractive, perhaps one of the most attractive people in all of the Silverado Club. He's not going to be a member of the Dark Realm. He can get any girl he wants, Jordan said to Elias as the two watched the conversation unfold. Al, meanwhile, is a prime candidate for the Dark Realm. We can't think of every member of the Dark Realm to be some ugly rich man who wants to get his dick wet. Having a membership with the Dark Realm comes with a lot of benefits. Some of these men might just like the chance to rape men and women, or some of these men could be pedophiles. We, we can't just judge a person based on demographics. Sexual deviants come in all forms, and criminals and people are willing to do terrible things. The conversation between January and the young man continued for a while until January mentioned a strong question. I realized I never caught your name, January smiled. I'm Bethany. Some people call me Marco, but mainly here in the dream realm, they call me Lights, the man responded coolly. For a second, both Jordan and Elias paused, for the name Lights had rang a bell. However, both soon quickly remembered the gleeful tone of Toe, explaining the grand projects of the Dark Realm. King had been planning the whole thing, along with Lights. January, you need to get out of there now. Jordan whispered into the line, January, I repeat, you need to get out of there now. But January did not respond, nor could the audio from January be heard. Three seconds ago, the cameras disguised in January's clothing had all faded to black. Immediately, Elias and Jordan sprang into action, leaving their room in the chance and running to the exit. It wouldn't take them too long to reach the Silverado Club, although what was happening at this point was a mystery to the two of them. But back at the Silverado Club, Lights was pushing January forward through the crowd. The situation did not appear conspicuous due to the dim lighting and the large amount of people. They'll be here in seconds, January whispered. They'll know something's up. Either way, freezing your cameras and microphones seemed like a smart move, Lights shrugged, his voice now revealing a French accent which had not been previously layered into his vocal arrangement. Wee oui, wee, oui, you think you can just walk into my event? Either way, freezing your cameras and microphones seemed like a smart move. Lights shrugged, his voice now revealing a French accent which had not been previously layered into his vocal arrangement. You think you could just walk into my event and I not know who you for who you are? I've handled larger pieces of shit before in my toilet. This is my event, I know every detail. And you are one detail that's not on my list. Where are you taking me? Away, so you and I can chat. I'd like to know more about you, as well as your two intruding friends. Jordan and Elias arrived in the overpacked club and immediately separated in search for January. Drunk co-eds were playing drinking games at the tables. A large segment of the room danced to country dance jams as the bars worked hard to keep up with the demand. The two independently scoured the building, although Jordan bumped into someone who pulled her aside, initially confused what the figure was doing. It quickly made sense. You're one of the two bugs I've been dealing with, the man smiled. It's good to meet you. My name in the dream realm is King. You can refer to me as the leader of the Dark Realm. Chapter 13 Elias, meanwhile, had ran outside the venue, pushing past a few of the club members who tipsily retorted with rude replies. 
Now on the street, Elias looked in all directions he could and then noticed what appeared to be a struggle going on down the street. Elias vanished and reappeared besides the car to see January in the back seat. She was tied up and appeared in distress. The car peeled out of its space and onto the road. Elias closed his eyes and a car appeared beside him. He stepped into the car, turned the ignition on, and gave chase. Elias thought about Jordan and decided to message her, the visuals popping up over his eyes as he informed her that he was following January and her kidnapper in a car chase down South Coast Highway 8. But Jordan wasn't even that focused on Elias, and when the message popped up, she quickly dismissed it. Instead, she stared at the leader of the Dark Realm with hesitation and a bit of silence. So you're running all of this, Jordan nodded. Are you surprised? King smiled. I mean, I would be if I was confronted by the leader of an organization I was trying to take down. You fought against Magenta, broke into my lead hacker's apartment, you mentally fucked over Toe. I figured you'd come tonight. You heard the information. Vigilantes and good guys act the same over and over, and you can't help but come here and stir up trouble at our fundraising event. Where did lights take January? Where are they going? Is that really the question you want to ask? If you had one question to ask me, that would be the one question. The way you approach me makes it appear that you want to talk. There will be plenty of time for questions. Absolutely, King nodded. His British tone was comforting, but his body was razor sharp. Why don't we step outside to the beach? I feel like we'd both be more at ease on the ocean side. The two moved past the crowds of dancers and stepped onto the open patio, which kissed the beach sand. Within the beach sand, they arrived at the wet shoreline, the water almost touching their shoes. I started the dark realm, because I'm a businessman who cannot say no to an opportunity like this one. King honestly explained, his voice unwavering from his choices, his eyes piercing through Jordan. I could not help but think about the open market, the possibilities, the clients, the money, just, it all came to me. This was two and a half years ago. I barely knew anything. Even now, I'm still learning about the process of coding and programming, but I knew I saw a business opportunity. So I looked around and I found Mozpan. He loved the challenge, and through him, we went to work. I had plenty of money for startup from previous inventions. He and the hackers cracked the codes we needed to. Have mods remain in the dream realm, even when their creators were gone. Create children as mods. Have mods deny sex and yet be fucked anyway. And recently, we have perfected the method of forcing oneself sexually upon anyone. Quite a feat, considering dream realm's codes and norms. I think two years ago, I would have been like you. I would have been disgusted, horrified to think this way. You might think the money has changed me, but it's a true ideological shift. I've truly changed the way I viewed this issue. Not because it's brought me so much money, but because of how better this is in the dream realm than in the real world. These mods aren't real people, so who cares if they get raped and molested? And as for the real people who do get raped and molested, this is nothing more than a dream. What we are exhibiting is the same as a video game, as a movie, as a play. We just happen to have more freedom. I know a friend who frequently dreamed about being pinned down and raped by another man. He was young, didn't know what it meant. These eventual dreams kind of came to his subconscious desire to sexually experiment with men, but he was raped in those dreams, yet he came off a better man for in the future. Met his future wife. I was at their weddings three years previously. This whole argument is just atrocious, Jordan muttered. This is not just a dream. The mods you employ feel everything. They are almost humans, if not humans, in this world. The fact that real people are being raped is terrible. You might not think it matters, but I've seen the real trauma which has come from you and your institution. It's terrible that you, you, you basically strip away responsibility for causing so much trauma for other people. You really care about the lives of my mods, King raised an eyebrow. 
I cannot but debate between admiring you or labeling you as insane. They're just computer codes designed to feel the emotion they exhibit. Mods are shells from which their creators stuff and cover with cheap emotional accessories. Do the mods tell you how sad and how miserable they are? The little kids forget everything that happens. They really only suffer in the moment and that's all. Imagine, imagine for... Just imagine, imagine a life for a real human where they only suffer in the moment and then enjoy life once more when they've forgotten. But the real people... Jordan argued, the real girls and men who have been raped and molested. How do you argue against that? These people have had so much trauma associated with what happened to them. You didn't meet any of them or hear their stories and experiences. They carry what happened, and you benefit financially from their pain and torture. Well, they must be weak if they cannot withstand a rape within their dreams. King spoke honestly to himself, his a candid opinion speaking true from within his chest. I have no pity for people who cannot handle such small dregs when it comes to the problems of the world. I think the money blinds you from caring. I don't think you know me that well then, King smiled. Down South Coast Highway 8, Elias was speeding up to his car, which held January in the back seat. The driver, which Elias presumed to be Lights, continued to speed up and away. Within the car, Lights was questioning January. How do you know these intruders? Lights whispered. You are friends with them, I assume? We work together, January muttered. Why? Why does it matter? I'm just curious. You see, Marzipan worked really fucking hard to look into Jordan and Elias. How do you know their names? January gasped, to which Lights smiled within the front seat. Lights caught off a car full of elderly people who were riding casually with the sunset blossoming against their faces. And now to the left was a sandbar filled with people swimming, making out, having sex, as well as those innocently playing beach volleyball and building sandcastles. It's like I said, Marzipan worked very hard to find out the ID codes on their Dream Realm identities. It doesn't hurt that both of them have profiles. They're rather good at what they do for the city of Cardonia, yes? We're all very fucking good at what we do, January spat, and they're going to take you down, and I'm going to help them do it. You seem smart, but when you talk, you don't appear smart at all. Tonight, King is making sure Jordan and Elias leave us alone. He's making sure Jordan feels what he means. What do you mean? Well, she's so strong, a little Justice Dream Realm style wouldn't do the trick. Are you saying... January paused, her body soaking in the threats which Lights was saying. Her arms were tied together. Her body remained in a laid-down position in the back seat. You're supposed to be smart. Figure the shit out. Lights winked, looking into the mirror to see his captured vigilante. About 20 feet behind Lights' vehicles was Elias' own. He had been lucky that he had gotten outside when he could have, otherwise January could have been missing for hours. Elias was sure that Lights had used the freeze button to make sure that January didn't wake up or otherwise escape his clutches. Elias picked up speed and, making sure no other cars were in their part of the highway, rammed into Lights' car. Chapter 14 Lights felt the impact from the car behind him, and January groaned as she hit the chairs in front of her before sliding back into position. What the fuck? Lights muttered, looking around to see what his options were. There appeared to be no options available except to retaliate using his own car. Lights changed lanes and hit the brakes enough to slam into Elias's car from the side. Elias's car hit the guardrail, and immediately Elias swerved back to hit lights. An oncoming car moved to avoid getting hit while slamming on their horn, but the horn and the stranger behind the horn didn't matter to either man in that moment as they continued to tussle upon the South Coast Highway. You guys are monsters! January screamed. For everything! You guys are fucking terrible! January shot a message off to Jordan, but wasn't sure if she read it or not. However, the message returned with a failure to deliver. January had been told about the freeze button, which she assumed was also working on her ability to communicate with others. 
Eh, you got the Dua pays the bills around here. Light shrugged, slamming his car back into Elias. Up ahead, the highway lowered itself onto a large sandbar and there were no railings to protect the cars either. The two continued, a few more cars swerving to avoid them upon the highway. The cars finally hit the sandbar, with lights taking the lead and Elias providing chase. The sandbar had some people upon it, all of which which ran when the cars came speeding towards them. People were yelling, and the occasional person was run over by lights. Even though it was a dream, Elias avoided running over humans on the beach. Unfortunately for Lights, he took the wrong turn and ended up at a stranded end of the sandbar. Lights stopped the car, and Elias parked about 20 feet from Lights. There was a pause until the back door managed to open. Emerging from the car was January Fisher, still dressed in her outfit, although looking a bit haphazard. She began sprinting across the sandbar where Elias got out of his car, confused by what was happening. Elias looked into the car to find that Lights had apparently vanished from it. Behind them, some of the beach folk were quickly coming over to see what the hubbub was about. She's in danger, in real life, January shouted, running and stumbling over to Elias. We need to go and help Jordan. So what are we going to do about this? King questioned. I understand your morals and your dedication and principles second to none, but, but we apparently have no common ground and sadly have become enemies in all of this. You're the one in the wrong, King. I wouldn't say wrong, but perhaps not the holiest of rights, King admitted, looking out to the ocean. But even you can't deny that it's better for a pedophile to fuck one of my mods in the dream realm than to be on a child in the real world. It's better for rape to happen here in the dream than out there in the real world. I mean, imagine. Imagine that I'm providing an end to problems that we have in the real world. Or it could inflame problems in the real world, Jordan countered. So many people cannot distinguish reality from fantasy anyway. And applications like dream realm meld the two so close that it's hard to forget which is the real world and how to act in the real world and when you're sleeping and when you're not sleeping. I mean, people might believe that the rapes and perversions they do in the dream realm could be better in the real world and you think you're helping the world turn their dreams into, well, dreams, but you're just making dreams complicated. You're making humans get away with their dirt and grime. I've never had a threesome, actually, King confessed, and sometimes I have looked down on such behavior and I've looked upon orgies, too, with disgust, but I learned that I must be accepting of that behavior because while I do not fit in that narrative, it is still a part of the collective narrative of human life. I would love to know who sold you these broken stories that you've been using as examples, Jordan laughed. I'm a lawyer in real life. These shitty stories would never do well in a court setting. I was surprised to hear that you were a lawyer, King smiled. Lightly surprised, I should say. Mazapan shared with me some of the articles. One of the best prosecutors in the state of California. You must feel really special. You carry yourself more like a police officer or a detective, but that's what your other friend does, no? Jordan froze. She felt like she had been holding on to the advantage for the entire moment, but now she felt like the advantage was taken from her. King knew too much about her. You said the fantasy and reality are confusing, that they often become the same thing. His voice felt like a mocking teacher on the verge of giving their student an F. So why are you surprised that I knew your reality? You piece of shit. So tell me, Prosecutor Furman, you won't stop till you see us in court, will you? Too bad at best we'd get slaps on the wrist for tinkering with technology, but I have to command you for trying. It's so cute to see you work so hard against us. You found out about me and about Elias. Of course we did. It's 2060. It's easy to find people these days, especially when you have a fleet of hackers. Besides, I knew this little talk wasn't going to work. I figured we should try and talk, even though I was prepared. Trust me, I was prepared. Prepared? What do you mean? There's no real way to damage you in the dream realm. 
You're too much of a fighter to truly take on here. But in the real world, maybe I could have someone teach you a lesson for me. With a weird sensation, Jordan began to wake up. The decision had not been hers consciously, but perhaps her own body's decision. The cool beach of South Coast flashed to darkness as her body woke in distress. She took off the covers to the bed while her head crossed the room. It did not take long for her to see a man who must have just entered the room. With a guttural scream, Jordan picked up the vase on her bedside table and threw it at the man while taking off the dream mask so that she could see the man sent to do whatever horrors King had envisioned. Thank you so much for listening. For more podcasts and work done by me, Matt Rebar, check out my website at www.mattrebar.com. Tweet or Instagram me at Rebstar, H-R-I-B-S-T-A-R. And if you missed it, all 10 episodes of season one, Unconscious, Subconscious, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Until next time.